The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Of the Holy One is understanding. So my message is the fear of the Lord. Sounds a bit heavy, maybe a bit old-fashioned. But it's really been challenging me, the fear of the Lord. Um, I don't know whether any of you ever had an autograph book when you were younger. I did in my um, last term at secondary school. And um, you get uh, friends and teachers and neighbours and get them to sign it or put a poem in or a verse. My uncle wrote this verse, the first part of it, verse 10 particularly, in my autograph book. And it's travelled with me. I've treasured it all through these years. I've still got the autograph book and he's long since passed away. And we hear so much about the love of God in these days and that's good but we don't hear so much about the fear of the Lord and it's quite difficult to unwrap because fear has different meanings it's almost disappeared I don't really hear people saying you hear people saying he's a God-fearing man but you don't really hear people talking about the fear of the Lord because I think it sort of makes it all sound a bit heavy. So I want to try and lift that, but look at it this morning. Um, if you look in the dictionary, it has different takes on the word. And fear in the Bible is mentioned over 300 times. So there's a worldly, a worldly, a worldly fear and a holy fear. Fear is actually an emotion but it can also be an act of our will. And I guess we've all had experience of fear of one kind or another. The kind of fear that rings alarm bells in us. For example, going for an interview where your performance depends on whether you get the job or not. A feeling of dread that you're going to mess up. It's a real fear. Or you may be called into school to see your child's teacher and you probably dread what you're going to hear. Or if you got stuck in a lift and it stops midway, you will know all about being fearful. I've had it happen to me and my fear was I wasn't going to be able to breathe but it all ended up okay. And we live in a world, don't we, where certain groups of people threaten our lives and where weather conditions bring devastation and they appear to be getting more frequent. And also Satan himself can be a cause of fear to us as Christians. But that's not the fear that I really want us to look at this morning. The dictionary also describes fear as being defined as to revere, to have a high regard, to have respect, to have a religious revere, it actually says in the dictionary, hence the word reverent. So I'm not talking about an anxious fear or a nervous fear 
or um, a disruptive fear. We attended a very good church when we were away recently. It was a real Bible-based church. And the pastor happened to touch on the subject about the fear of the Lord. He only said it in one sentence, but it really resonated with me, really sat with me. He used it in the context of a great man of God in America who had fallen from grace. It was a very public affair. And the man later on was being interviewed and was asked a question. Did you lose your faith? And the man replied, no, I never gave up on my faith. In fact, I never stopped loving God all through that time. But the pastor made an observation that we were listening to. And he made a comment and he said, he may have continued to love God, but he stopped fearing God. He may have continued to love God, but he stopped fearing God. So let's look at Deuteronomy 4, verses 1 to 10. This is um, Moses just um, talking to the people of Israel after they had received the Ten Commandments. Now, Israel, hear the degrees and the laws I am about to teach you. Follow them so you may live and may go and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you do not add to what I command you, and do not subtract from it. But keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I give you. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor. But all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. That was in that um, generation. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in a land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show you wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely, this nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near, near them the way the Lord, our God, is near to us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have righteous decrees and laws as this body of the laws I am setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen, 
nor let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me. And in the message it says, Have a holy fear of me as long as they live in the land and you may teach them to your children. So, as I said before, Moses is reminding the people of Israel about the Lord's righteous decrees and laws, which was given to them in the form of the Ten Commandments. They were not given to them to be a killjoy, but rather to protect them. He speaks of a powerful God who gave them wisdom and understanding. And he said that to, uh, to them then, and he says it to us today. We as Christians have been given the wisdom and understanding. But he says, watch yourself closely. And don't forget what your eyes had seen when they saw that tablet of stone with all the commandments on it. And he said to them, guard them in your heart. And I think because they guarded them in the heart and they passed them on from generation to generation, we actually come now to where we're sitting and we will pass on to our generation the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding of God. So it's simple. Simple, isn't it? Everyone, including myself, who lives a life with the holy fear of the Lord, all the problems we face in life would be less stressful. But sadly, it's not that simple because the Ten Commandments have been broken over and over again. People in the world are unaware of God's love for them, let alone how to fear him. They know how to blame him but they don't fear him because they don't know of his tremendous love. Therefore, they don't walk under his protection as we do. David, when he was a shepherd boy and in adult life as King David, feared the Lord. Although not always, during the Bathsheba years, he failed, but he always returned to the Lord and confessed his sins. In 2 Samuel 23, verses 3 and 5, there are David's final words. They've been recorded in the second book of Samuel, and they paint a picture of freshness and hope. David had such a way with words, didn't he? And here are the words that David spoke. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, when one rules over righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is light, he is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning. Like the brightness after rain that brings the grass from the earth. 
Is not my house right with God? Has he not made me an everlasting covenant, arranged and secured every part? Will he not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire? David knew how to have a holy fear of the Lord. Despite his shortcomings, he had an honest and fearful relationship with the Lord. A holy fear of the Lord surely brings us into a deeper relationship with him. He showers us with his love and grace daily, but that requires a response from us. So we just don't sit back and sunbathe in it and feel everything's okie-dokie in life. No, we need to understand that God is almighty. We need to respect his awesomeness and fear him in the rightful sense of the word by genuinely submitting to him. And we sang in Jesus, lover of my soul, these words as if it should as if you should do things my way, you alone are God, and I surrender to your ways. And I think really that is fearing the Lord, isn't it? And by fearing the Lord, it is good because it prevents us from falling into temptation and sin. It helps us to be an overcomer. A God-fearing person is known for living a truthful life, for speaking the truth, a person to be trusted. And Romans 3, 18, I think when it comes up, if we just read it, have I? That's my, it's 18, sorry, I can't read my own writing. 3.18 I'll just check it out here. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't I haven't got there yet. No, it is that one. Yes, we read that. I don't quite know. I've lost the thread here a bit. But when I was looking this up, it said that in Romans 3.18, the chief of all sins, or one of the biggest sins, is having no fear of God. It doesn't quite say that there. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Sort of, so I don't think we will read that out together. Um, but we go on to Psalm 27, verse 1. And again, it's David. Yeah. David's 
now living, fearing God in the rightful way, and he's saying to the Lord, You are my light, you are my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? If we fear the Lord, we do not have to fear men. He is our protector, the beginning of wisdom and understanding. And we know that his love drives out all fear, that's our human fear, not the holy fear that we give to God. So that's my thoughts on it. Sorry, it's slightly got muddled halfway down. Um, we have some time. Paul said it's good to relate to one another. I don't know whether it's ticked any boxes, rung any bells, whether you have something you'd like to say, perhaps finish off where you think I haven't quite got there with it. So I'm just going to leave it to you. Perhaps we just have a time of prayer, thinking over some of those things. And then if you want to share, it would be good to encourage one another. Or to put it in perspective, it's, it's a bit like it's a bit like electricity or heating or fire. You need you need these things in your life, and um, it's like electricity. I mean, I've looked at the number of times the my father's put a screwdriver in a plug and sort of. <laughs> he's a physics teacher as well, so that's what says. But you, it gives you good things, but you need to be fearful of it. You know, these things are stronger than us, and that's a very small thing, very easy way I've put it for the kids. And God is massive. He's big. He brings us all the good things in our life. But we don't understand him, and so therefore we have to have a fearful respect for him of what he can do. Um, we, have, we have his love. We, have, we can have friendship with him. We can have everything with him, but we need that fearful respect of what he can do. Don't make him... You know, if we if we don't, then we're then we're, then we're I don't know, wrong is the wrong term, but we're we're making him smaller. You know, we're making him something that he isn't. If we don't have that, as I say, fearful respect of it, you're playing with fire. You know, <laughs> if you don't, it's like that was what I was muttering to you about. <laughs> When uh, Jenny was talking about fear, I um, was reminded of a course that I attended quite recently. And in that, they were talking about the fear, flight and fight response, which is when we go into what they now term as our reptilian brain and higher functions like thinking are not possible. And so when we are truly afraid, we only react. And, and I was sort of pondering a bit on that as Jenny was speaking, and then this verse came up. When, I, when besieged, I'm calm as a baby. When all hell breaks loose, I'm collected and cool. And I thought, Lord, that's the total opposite of what happens in the natural when we are afraid in the natural, we cannot think, we cannot do anything but emotionally respond. But God doesn't just want an emotional response. He wants us to be in full 
control of our faculties, as it were. And so the fear of the Lord doesn't take us to a place where we can't still think. The fear of the Lord just gives us the calm assurance to get through it. Gethsemane story, you see Jesus is there. And Gethsemane, we always think of as that slightly fearful place. But Gethsemane was a place that Jesus loved. If you go to the Mount of Olives, even now, the trees are huge, the olive trees and so on. They're probably not the same ones that when Jesus was there, but they are very, very old. I believe the Turks took them and burnt them for firewood. So, you know, that's the history. But it was a place he loved. So when he came to that place of really having to do business with the Lord, he needed to go to that place that he knew and loved. But notice he took disciples with him. Now, we always think that they, you know, why could you not pray with me one hour? But they had, if you read in the scriptures, they'd had an exhausting time before that and humanly they dropped out. And humanly we do drop out. But the fear of the Lord there was a fear that is beyond any fear that we can comprehend. The, gather, the, the Gethsemane experience is so profound. It talks about blood coming out from the pores, and I believe in physiological terms that that can happen to us in fear. The fear can be so extreme that we actually bleed. Um, something that I hope nobody here ever encounters. The fear of the Lord, Jenny's just, I think, got it right. And it's the Gethsemane experience for all of us at times. I think we come to that point, and it is only by having that reverence and knowledge and deep inner knowing of the Lord that we can come past those things that are our Gethsemanes. And I think there's always going to be a place they always say that we as Christians will go through each one of the sayings on the cross. There will be a point in our life, that if you look at each of Jesus' sayings, you will come to that point personally, whereby you will say that or something so close. Um, that's it. So. Carl, I'll just watch two... Um, programs from the Christian channel that I recorded a while back and all it's about um, we know how God created everything and it's it's actually so wonderful everything um, it goes through uh, birds and fish and and everything and saying how it all points back to a wonderful creator everything was so beautifully created and um, and there's also it also goes into well one of the programs goes into um, space and how God created galaxies and and our, and how our Earth compares to the Sun and then the Sun compares to an even bigger uh, star and an even bigger star and an even bigger star and uh, and one conclusion that came to us that from it's from this only from here can it be um, can it encourage scientific discovery? It was as if God wanted us to discover more and more. It's quite a wonderful program, actually, but I'm just saying that because it's in awe of God, you know, wonderful how wonderful creation is, and, um, and that God was there behind it all, um, 
everything, everything was, every little thing, it went into the caterpillar um, and going into a chrysalis and a butterfly and how each little piece had its own um, blueprint right from the beginning. Mm. It couldn't have evolved, you know, it was mm -hmm. there and mm. all, it all just goes into, oh, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I can't put it into words but it's all quite marvellous, really. And um, one of the conclusions was this, that um, he encouraged um, people to think and, and have scientific discovery to it. I don't know if you see what I'm seeing with that, but um, mm -hmm. you know that the love of God goes right through it all. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I, I'm sure it, it means something to me. Anyway. It wouldn't be Coral if she didn't say sorry, although she's got nothing to be sorry about. <laughs> Thank you. Anybody else? Of my soul. Um, because it's to have a holy fear of God, but Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit are three in one. And the last verse of Jesus, love of my soul, I think we can just use as a prayer. Um, because it says it's all about you, Jesus, but it's all about you, Almighty God, and it's all about you, Holy Spirit. And all this is for you, for your glory and for your fame. And my word, haven't we got a God that's famous for all these things and yet so not acknowledged by the world? And so it's not about me, as if we should expect him to do things our way. Because you alone are God and we surrender to your ways. Amen.